We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast, where we are dedicated to your success. Every now and then, you may have an employee that needs to be terminated for whatever reason. Could be that they need to be shown the door because they did something wrong. Could be because you need to cut costs. Could be because something else happened. There's a lot of different ways that you can deal with it. And there is a difference also between a contractor, an employee, and a volunteer on how you may wish to separate. What we want to cover in today's episode is going to be suggestions. However, we have to give the caveat, know what your legal requirements are, and to speak with a qualified professional before undertaking any kind of termination or other issues. Uh, So speak with that qualified professional. And on that note, Daniel, Patricia, when we talk about separating from employees, contractors, volunteers, what are some of the things that we need to keep in mind outside of the legal ramifications? Like we had that qualification already mentioned. So, yeah, just to clarify, um, just because Jennifer's handing the question over to us does not mean we are qualified legal representatives either. (laughs) And even if we were, we would say, I am not your lawyer. (laughs) I may play one on TV, but I'm not a real one. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Um, So suggestions for uh, when you reach the point that uh, termination has to take place. So let's say that it is, uh, well, I guess it it really doesn't matter, volunteer, uh, contractor, or employee, but let's say it's a behavioral issue that has raised the point of termination. I would hope that you have policies in place uh, of what good behavior should look like in your workplace and what the consequences will be if that behavior is not exemplified by the people in your workplace. So you want that kind of coverage and protection from having policies in place up front. So all of you out there right now who have always thought to yourself, oh, I don't need an employee manual or policies or anything. We're too small. It's just a bunch of us here and we're all friends anyway. Go ahead and write out your policies, procedures, staff handbook, all of that stuff because you don't want to wait until you have a problem with an employee to put these policies in place. That would not look good in a legal scenario. And there may be legal requirements for you to actually have these documents anyway. Right. Right. Again, putting aside the legal (laughs) aspect of the conversation here. Well, and it gets, 
I, I think that those policies and operating procedures are even more important if you are friends, especially if you were friends to begin with, because then you have this whole friend baggage piece that you have to deal with when it comes time to letting people go. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and and I think that's more likely to happen if it is a small company. If it's a bigger company, everybody knows they're just a cog, really. And while you might have, you know, friendships kind of with people, you typically know that they're not somebody that, you know, they've got responsibilities. You understand that. But when it's a small company, you end up expecting certain things from people and, and that could be on either side as the employer or the employee. And those expectations get dashed and then feelings are hurt. And yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> then it can go sideways very quickly. So does it make a difference whether somebody is an employee, a contractor or a volunteer? I don't think it does. If you're a nonprofit, you rely on volunteers. You should also have some expectations of how you want volunteers to conduct themselves at your location or at your event. You need to let them know what those expectations are and then have procedures and policies in place for how to dismiss a volunteer if they do not conduct themselves accordingly. Would that be the same for a board member? I don't see why not. Sure. Yeah, if you're bringing someone on as a board member, whether it's a for-profit company again or a nonprofit, you have certain expectations of the board members. There's a reason you invited that person to become a board member. And okay. conduct themselves legally, morally, ethically, and with the best interests of your organization in mind. Of course. Yeah. So let's look at examples. Do you have any examples when you may have needed to separate from an employee, contractor, or volunteer? I can draw on some examples from my corporate experience. Uh, so many of you know, maybe I was in the, the, the training department uh, for a couple of corporations. And one of the things that I, I, I thought this was interesting, um, I would frequently remind frontline managers that I maintain training records for a reason. And I would provide reports at the end of a, a training class about how the class went, how the, the attendees conducted themselves, what the results were, all that kind of stuff. And I would have managers say, oh, we don't need that. Sometimes I would even have HR people say, oh, we don't need to go to that much effort. Until there was one time when the company had to let somebody go. And this person came back with a lawsuit and tried to say, I was never trained on that. And, I said, <laughs> and HR came to me and said, do you still have those records? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, I yes, do. And here I I'll do. print it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
yes, this person was trained on how to do that and demonstrated proficiency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patricia, do you have any anecdotal stories on this? Not really. Um, I, I've, I, until certain recent experiences, I've I've been an employee at places, and usually separated myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't. Okay. So for me, one of the first things that I or the first time I experienced having to let someone go didn't exactly go the way that I planned or then again, I didn't know what I planned. Let me put it that way. It was at the first job I had out of school and I was in the sales department of an internet uh, telecom company. And I was in charge of training some of the newbies and the head of my department came to me and said, you have to let this person go. And I never at that point had to let someone go. Now, I was in charge of certain programs growing up, you know, like the youth uh, program at my parents' synagogue. I was in charge of that. Um, and saying in charge of really is funny because it was really the adults that were in charge of everything. I was just the head leader, if you will, of the program. <clears throat> but in terms of um, this individual, I was asked to let him go. And what I basically did was I sat down with him and I told him, I said, listen, this is what I'm being asked to do. And I don't want to let you go, but I need to know that things are going to change and that they're going to be much different moving forward. What ended up happening was we agreed on what the outcome was going to be. And I went back to my boss and I said, listen, this is what we agreed on. And I'm willing to bet that it's going to happen. Fast forward a number of years, he's now the CEO of the company. <laughs> Okay. The guy that you were supposed to fire. The guy I was supposed to fire is now the <laughs> CEO of that company. Okay. Um, another time when I was selling, um, I engaged the services of someone to be a representative of mine, a contractor in my payment processing business. And I told him during training, I said, do not go after big box stores like one of the big office supply chains that has a certain thing that sits on your desk as their logo. And he went after them to the exact location that was closest to us and started talking with them. And I told him, I said, listen, during training, I said, do not do it. There was a reason I said, do not do it. And it wasn't his brand. It was my brand that I needed to protect at that point. And so I said, we need to cut ties. Another example was one of my VAs. Virtual assistants are great, but you really need to stay on top of them. Really quick story. She canceled one speaking engagement, confirmed another, but it was the opposite of what she was supposed to do. Mm. I needed her to 
stop one and confirm the other. Luckily, I saw the emails going back and forth and I was able to undo the damage. But I had a conversation with her and I said, what are we going to do to stop this happening again in the future? And how are we going to resolve this issue? You know, and I told her point blank, I said, am I going to fire you? Or are we going to figure out how to move forward? So there's a lot of different ways that you can learn from these examples in terms of how you move forward when you're dealing with employees. Sometimes there is a need to actually terminate them, right? I mean, if it just simply is not working out, if they're not doing the job, if they're showing up late, if they're violating company policy, you deal with it, you end the issue and you remove them because it can hurt company morale, right? Other times, there may be other ways that you can look at it. So with those stories, Daniel, Patricia, I'm just curious, what was the biggest aha, if you will? Well, the thing that I love that you brought up about uh, just about each of those stories, Jennifer, is you worked with the other person on a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. So they got a chance to say, here's what I'm going to do to change my behavior, to uh, become more productive, to do the right kinds of things worked out very well in the case of that CEO. Uh, but let's say the opposite occurred uh, because I, I got to watch an example happen on my training team where someone was put on a performance improvement plan and this person did not meet the expectations that he himself laid out. And so then the manager said, okay, well, um, you didn't meet these things by this deadline, which you said you were going to be able to do. So therefore, as we agreed, if you couldn't meet these expectations, then uh, we were going to have to let you go. And so that's where we are now. So I think that's very valuable to include the idea of the performance improvement plan and include the employee contractor volunteer in making that plan. Thank you. Any thoughts, Patricia? I've been on a few PIPs, but nobody ever listened to me for my input. <laughs> uh, it was more of a, oh, okay, here's what you're gonna do. Can we do this? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Question whether that was a true performance. It wasn't. Plan the particular company is not known for being employee friendly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up our conversation on terminating employees, contractors, volunteers, Daniel, any final thoughts? I love the the PIP. <laughs> I, I like you. that idea. <laughs> Patricia, anything you wanted to add? Nah. Um, okay. Yeah, actually. Um, Dan Kennedy talks in one of his books about the real cost of hiring the wrong person. I actually sat down and made a calculator in Excel that figures up some of those costs i'm gonna it ask was, you for that please 
I will have, I will dig that out. Thank you. It needs some more development on it, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little rudimentary, but it's interesting. So, but and there's a lot of things. knowing cost of training. Oh my goodness. Cost of training, cost of hiring the new person, cost of damage that they do. Um, how much are you actually paying them? You know, paying to have them in your building, for example. Um, a lot of different factors that people don't think of. And that doesn't count how much you pay the recruitment company or the ads and everything that you place. Right. Uh, to get them. Uh, those are on the list too. I, I, I think if I remember right, but yeah, I'll, I'll show There's that. a lot of that that you need to be taking into account. And also it's brand reputation. I don't know if you mentioned that in terms of some of the issues that may be there, but when you're looking at where you go from here, I mean, you really need to remember hiring the right person, firing them quicker sometimes is the best thing for you. Um, other times it is, like we said, that prod, um, the PIP, the improvement plan is going to be something that can really be helpful for you. And going forward from there, it's just, how are you going to work with the people on your team? Yeah. We know employee, contractor, volunteer, they're all teammates in one sense or the other. It's just a matter of, are you going to be willing to work with them and make it really part of your family and go from there? On that note, this has been another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters. And until next time, here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.